Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Amen. Hallelujah. We have said that these young boys and girls that are being raised up in our generation will do greater things than we ever even thought of. And uh, don't lose expectation for a second uh, or despair of the generations that God has appointed to serve him. Every generation, God sets apart men and women that will stand up for God and fight the battles of the Lord. The Bible says in times of distress, in times of trouble, when things were lost and thought to be um, forever um, deprived in the things of God, Judges 2.16 says, when God would see his people suffering, he would rise up judges. Uh, the Lord would raise up judges, and these who had a sense of, of certainty and righteousness, and they would be able to call things for what they were. And we're living in a generation where even this lady who has been appointed to the Supreme Court of the United States, they ask her, what is a woman? She says, I don't know. I'm not a biologist. And so we're living in some very perilous and dangerous times where people cannot discern the difference between a man, a woman, a boy, a girl, uh, what is right, what is wrong. Um, and the Lord will raise up men with a sense of justice who will deliver us out of the hand of those who want to take advantage of us. When you start misdefining things and calling things for what they're not, um, the Bible says in Isaiah 5.20, woe are those that call the good things bad and the bad things good, who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness where light should be. Uh, they're saying that the nightlife is where you have to have fun uh, and light. They consider darkness dreaded, who put bitter things for sweet and sweet things for bitter. These things are a twisted world, and that's why we say that our vision is to change the world. And we say in this house, if you don't change the world, the world ends up changing you. And so really important, uh, it's desperate times, um, and we said it this week. I was talking to my children as I went home from Monday night men's group, and I looked at Brandon, who's 24, and I said, Brandon, I apologize that you have received a generation of twistedness. Everything's out of whack. And it shouldn't be like that. He shouldn't have to be traversing life. These guys are getting hit with more pornography. They're getting hit with that TikTok, nonstop toxic waste. I haven't seen one of those TikTok things that have offered anything good, but the generation is being land blasted by those that are giving themselves over to this stuff. So I say to Brandon, you guys have to be more intense than me. You guys have to raise a standard that in this generation causes you guys to be looked upon like Martians. You guys are weird and you guys are not normal. What is this thing about not having sex until your marriage? That is strange to this world. What is this thing about entering into the covenant of marriage and asking a woman that you will take care of her for the rest of her life? That's bizarre behavior. As we were having dinner the other night with my wife, she looked over to the table next to us and there, the guy was not even dignified to pay for the woman's dinner. They were going Dutch. You pay your part, I'll pay my part. And all of a sudden, Yvette looked over there and says, I would never go out with him again. I said, thank you, Lord, because you provide. 
and I'm able to bless Yvette. And, and, and so these are the times we're living. They're, they're, they're dangerous and perilous times. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, I mean 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, he says they're perilous times because men will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of themselves. The selfish existence is the devil existence. It's a DNA that, that does not put others uh, as a priority. So love is denying self and laying down your life for a friend. That Jesus says there's no greater love than this, that you would lay down your life for someone else. And so we're looking for these bizarre and strange men that consider the interests of others before themselves. As I was going to a class this week, because every three years as a lawyer, I have to do these credits, 30 hours worth of continuing legal education. I was surrounded by judges and prosecutors and defense attorneys and business lawyers. All these guys were in a room, and I was like, Lord, I wish I could go back to this. I wish I could go back to my law practice. But guess what? I'm not doing what I want. I'm doing what God wants. And his priority is my reward. And so it's very bizarre to see people like we're going to see this morning, people that have offered themselves up to God, that they might serve in a capacity of greater responsibility. And so these men have already been tried. They've been proven. Their character has been judged. They have been determined to be respected in our midst, um, in our congregation as those that would shepherd um, our, our church as it grows, it continues to grow. Um, I was talking last night to, um, yesterday for lunch, we were having lunch with Brandon, and I was telling him, I don't even know, at least like 75 of those little boys and girls that are in his Friday night class for the last five years have no relationship, but they know who Pastor Brandon is. They, they have a relationship. Their parents are telling Brandon, um, let me know how I can discipline my children. And Brandon's like, I don't have any children. How am I going to help you with that? But see, he's respected at that level. He's sought out because of his wisdom, because of his testimony, because of his compassion, his commitment. All these elements are what determines that we have come to this day. And uh, we're going to have a marvelous time together. I'm going to ask all the pastors from Spring of Life Fellowship to come forward and to help me along this process. Um, these are the shepherds that have been doing the work for the past 24 years. And throughout this time, they can tell you what the blood, the sweat, and the tears that occasion this ministry to shepherd God's people. And so I'll have an extra chair up here for Dr. Molina, if you guys could help me with that. Um, so we are coming upon a time, and this is, for some people, they're like, well, how did this happen? And when this happened, um, only a pregnant mother could tell you um, that she didn't have a clue when that child is going to come out. I've heard stories of people being at Taco Bell and all of a sudden the boy is coming out. And guess what? He's not asking for permission. He's coming out. So if you don't make yourself to the hospital, he might come out right there while you're eating your burrito. So these are the spontaneity of these matters. Uh, it's not something that we determine. It's not something I know when God called me to the ministry, I explained it this uh, past Wednesday as we talked the birth of a world-changing vision. We talked about when I came out into the ministry, it wasn't really sweet and clean. Um, a lot of people were, were desperate in their, their seeing this take place and saying, what is this and how is this? And and they said, this cannot be. And I said, well, hello. Um, 
There's a lot of pain and suffering, but it's just like a maternity ward. It's a time of separation. It's a time of, of a lot of things that happen. Um, they're not controlled events. Uh, they, they could be chaotic events, but it doesn't mean it's not from the Lord. Um, and so as we traverse this ceremony and celebration um, called an ordination, it's the birth of leadership. It's something that you might not ever witness again in your lifetime. Uh, consider it a privilege and an honor that you're seeing four men separated to the work of God, to the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, there's, there's elements of this. We're going to talk about that in a second. Um, but, the, but these men, um, all four of them, number one, are in shock. Um, you know, they're like... They're like, is this, what, what does this mean? Um, and, and being surprised by the call of God is similar to the book of Samuel, where the Bible says that, that God told Samuel, he called his name Samuel, and Samuel ran to Eli, the high priest, and says, are you calling me? He goes, no, go back to sleep. And then he said again, he heard the voice, Samuel. And, and this call of God to his men is wonderful to see, even in this season and time. When my boys were 12, 13, and 14, um, they were young. Uh, they weren't thinking about ministry. They weren't thinking about anything that had to do with the responsibility of the work of God. I, I called them aside uh, with uh, Miguel Hernandez, uh, Mike Hernandez, Michael, and Mauricio. You remember that day at my house? And, and my three boys, all five of them, I told them, do not let anyone despise your youth. Don't wait till you're 30, 40, and 50 to come into your ministry call. So at 12, I showed them the film of the biography of Charles Spurgeon, a man who God's touched his heart when he was a young child. By the age of 16, he was already ordained as a pastor. And by the age of 18, he had the largest church in London, in England. And he was shepherding God's people from the age of 18. He had a large church congregation. His ministry is known to this day, even though he's passed away. If you follow the trace of what he's left upon the earth, there's over 32 ministries that are upon the earth nowadays, a result of the birth of his ministry. So uh, the time of, of the birthing of these men's ministry started a long time ago in their mother's womb. I've told the story many times here at the church that Nick was three years old, Joshua was two, and Brandon was one. When I came home late one night and the Lord told me, look into that room. It was just a real strong sense of the spirit of God. And I was coming back from work really late at night. The church had already started. And I looked into the room because the Holy Spirit wanted to talk to me something. I didn't know what it was, but I looked into there. Uh, Nicholas was over by the window in a one small twin bed. And then Joshua and Brandon were over in a bunk bed. They shared a room, all three of them. And when I peered into that room, I heard the Holy Spirit say, these are my servants, respect them. One, two, and three. And I was taken back because I had never heard that you're supposed to carry and steward your children as the servants of the Lord from a young age. And so from that point on, we began to treat them like royalty and nobility in our house. Um, they did get their spankings. They get their, they get their correction. They get their, their threats. Um, and they did grow in the wrath of dad. But their heart was always upright, and they've always responded in correct measure. And so it's with great joy that just like the Holy Spirit told me 
respect them, set them apart as my servants uh, to this generation. Um, that's, that's part of what's happening today. When somebody asks me, well, how, how did you figure this out? I, I haven't figured it out. This has been their life's call throughout. They've been well-groomed as servants of God. They have fought the battles of the Lord, and they're here today to receive their ordination, which means their, their call to leadership and ministry um, not to do anything different than what they have been doing already. What's that mean? To be an example. Uh, to, to be someone worthy to imitate uh, in their thoughts, in their words, in their conduct as they pursue the priority of the voice of God in their lives. Yes, they have commendable um, expressions like Javier, who's grown up from being an orphan in his young teenage years, um, his mom was murdered here in the city of Miami by a stepfather, and we've seen him grow. We actually have a picture of him when we started the ministry uh, about 27 years ago. There's Nicholas on his shoulders. So he's been carrying the ministry for a long time. And nobody can say that he's not qualified to be a faithful man, to be entrusted with greater weight of responsibility. And I was saying there's no greater joy for my life than to have my children surrounded by serious men of God. Um, it's so important so that they not grow cynical, so that they not grow, um, just like they've met everything and they've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly, they've been on the shoulder of giants for a long time. And so that to us is great pleasure. Um, I don't want to have 10,000 people in our church that my kids could not ride their shoulders. And to be taken to places to see and to hear things that are not worthy of the kingdom of God. So we have kept it really tight and really close-knit because we don't play games. We don't overextend ourselves to double lives and, and hypocritical existence because we're growing up champions and they need to be around the authentic. So to me, it's great joy. It's long overdue. We were going to do it right before COVID to ordain Javier. Um, and then all of a sudden the the shadows of the world's chaos and pandemic and epidemic came in and he said, okay, good. I got out of that one. Well, no, you didn't, sir. Because the Bible says in Romans eleven twenty nine 29, that the call of God and the gifting of God is without revoke. It's irrevocable. It doesn't expire. You can't run from it. You can't hide from it. It's on your life. You might as well surrender soon. Can I get an amen? Amen. So let's at this time, Invite these four candidates to the ordination, Javier Eduardo Rodriguez, Nicholas Joaquin Molina, Joshua David Molina, and Brian Michael Molina. Brandon Michael Molina. I said Brian. Brandon Michael. Hallelujah! I'm going to ask Joey, Palma, Kenny, Omar to go over to the side over there and to pick up an instrument that these shepherds are going to need in the work of the ministry that they will have. Every time we have an ordination, we have an instrument that we like to hand these fellows to do their ministry call. 
You guys could come around and stand in front of them with a, a staff. Just don't hand it to them yet. The weapons of warfare we know are not carnal, but this staff is a reminder of this day is a tangible expression of what we want to give these gentlemen to remind them the day they were called. April 10th, 2022, when they were set aside for the work of the ministry. Um, the staff is a symbol of authority. It's, it's something that is carried by a shepherd on the field that has many significance. One is that it also works as a, a walking stick because sometimes it's hard to walk through different terrain and they're going to need it to support the weight of their weariness and their tiredness. And it'll be a reminder that their staff goes with them, an expression of God's authority to do the work of God. There'll be a supernatural backing in their lives unlike anything other. The work of ministry is really an impossibility. How you're going to attend to such great a task and burden is a mystery. But these men will always depend upon God, upon God's grace and God's help to see them through every difficulty in life. Their greatest protection, their greatest expression of being able to be victorious in their battles against enemies and predators will be their confidence in God. He will be sufficient to pull them up and to continue in the road there should, they should be going in. Um, I want to go ahead and, and tell you that this staff is not only that which they can lean upon when they're tired and weary, but the staff actually allows them to deal with the sheep and the responsibility. And so um, they will learn how to um, shepherd the flock of God. Um, there's, there's a distinction between being a sheep and being a goat in Matthew 25. And up in heaven, God's going to separate the sheep from the goat. Those who have a heart and are having a life of being part of God's fold, uh, being part of his sheep, he says it, indistinguishably, he says, my sheep hear my voice, they recognize me, they know me, and they follow me. Well, a goat doesn't do that. A goat doesn't distinguish the, the voice of his shepherd, doesn't follow him, and is going around eating everything um, without any discernment. So in this regard, we're going to go ahead and hand them this staff as a reminder of this day, and then we're going to go ahead and get into all the elements of the Word of God to establish who they are and what the Word of God says to these men that are being set aside and called to shepherd the flock of the Lord. You could go ahead and give them their staff there. You guys could take a seat. Again, today's celebration and ceremony more than a ceremony, it's a birth, a taking place of a call to leadership. I have personally watched these men from a young age, and I have seen their walk with the Lord and the integrity of their faithfulness to respond 
to a life to be a servant of God. Um, there is no doubt that one of the main ingredients for one called to a place of responsibility is something called brokenness. And I can tell you that all four of these men have gone through the grind of incredible trials, of incredible challenges in faith. Uh, to be a pastor's son is not an easy thing for the Molina brothers. And uh, the standard of their call since they were born in our house has always been to high ground. Um, the Lord has held them to an incredible uh, disposition of character, um, even from Sunday school years uh, to their elementary school, middle school, and high school. We have a, one of the pastors of Westwood Christian, Pastor Mark Mortensen. He wrote us yesterday. He says, I've seen the character traits of a pastoral call upon these three boys for a long time. This would be the man who would serve as the headmaster there at their uh, elementary school, middle school, and high school. And he says, you know what? I give a thumbs up to this decision and this time in the call of these men brokenness is the hallmark of the call of a man of God uh, a call to humility a call to being seen in obscurity for a long time they have served we have pictures here of when Nick was entrusted to the youth group and the university crowd if he subtracts six years from his life how old would you be Nick 21 years old, God gave him the responsibility to pastor and to shepherd our high school and our college men and women, and he's done so faithfully. Uh, in these six years, I have not had one phone call that he's poked anybody in the eye or has punched anyone in the nose. That's commendable, and that is nobility. When you don't allow yourself to be taken out of character because of your challenges and circumstances. So here's Pastor Kenny, who's entrusting upon Nick the charge of overseeing the youth group for the last six years. And sir, I want to tell you, you've done a good job. Well done. So nobody has seen the last six years of every Saturday night. Maybe Melissa has seen it. And she's a witness, and it culminated in their marriage. I think suffering loves company, or company loves suffering, something like that. But they married a year ago, and they continue. I told them, take a break. You guys are newlyweds. Uh, you just finished law school. You just started your law firm. It's time for you to take a break. And, he, and they both said no. Don't, don't take away from us this uh, opportunity and privilege and honor to serve shepherding the youth in our living stones. So in that regards, um, we also have a picture of Joshua and Brandon the day they came in to shepherd. Um, this would have been somewhere near January 2017. Um, and there they are being laid hands upon to take upon the work of the middle school and the elementary school of our boys and girls and I want to say to both of them, well done. You have served faithfully. 
You have served honorably. You have been an example to these youth. You've been an example to the congregation. You're respected for your sacrifice and your work in this regard. For the last five years, every Friday night, um, we're not going to say it's mayhem in the house of the Lord, but it's close to it. And they have been able to toe the line and they have been able to welcome the challenges of the responsibility to be an example to these young people. I always tell parents, get your children around these shepherds. Let them see their lives. There's nothing hidden. There's nothing secret about how they conduct their affairs. They don't have secret conversations. They're not doing things which are wrong. They've been called to the high ground of excellence. And that's what we desire for your children too, to follow in their footsteps. So a life of brokenness, a life of obscurity, God chooses who he calls and he anoints those he calls to the work of ministry. And this process culminates in a ceremony and in a day called ordination, a move of the spirit of God, putting leaders in their rightful place in the body of Christ, calling workers to the harvest. And this should be our high inspiration to be considered to be a servant of God in this generation is a great honor and blessing. The Holy Spirit moves over our congregation and sets these aside, like it says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. When God sees a multitude, he's moved with compassion. A lot of people want to get away from large masses of people. They want to hide. They don't want to answer the door. But while these people are running away from the multitude, God is having compassion on them. And the sentiment God has for the multitude is that they are weary, in distress, and scattered. And you know why? Because they have no shepherd. To have a shepherd in your life is a great blessing. You cannot call yourself a Christian if you have no shepherd. Someone that would hold you accountable for the way in which you traverse. And so the greatest blessing that God could give any man or woman upon the earth is giving them a shepherd to be able to shepherd and to lead and footsteps and footprints to follow. Um, in this regard, he turns to his followers in verse 37 and he said to them, I tell you, the harvest is plentiful. But those willing to work are few. And I've had my share of men who I know God has called to the pastorate but they do not want to walk and take the plow in their hands. They don't want the responsibility to work for the Lord and to labor. So he says the harvest is ripe. It's plentiful to be picked up, but few are the men willing to walk in this direction. Verse 38, he tells us what to do. Pray, therefore, that the Lord of the harvest will send laborers into his harvest. There's a lot of work to be done in regards to ministry. And God tells us that this is not attractive to men. That means this is not going to be highlighted. You're not going to be given a Grammy or an Oscar to serve in this capacity. Your reward awaits you in heaven. The crown of glory for those who persevere to the end, who faithfully serve. So Colossians 3.22, he says, make sure 
that your work that you're being called to is not according to the flesh and not because people notice. You're not here because you're trying to please men, but you're here to please God in the sincerity of your heart, fearing the Lord, obeying him in all his tasks that he has for you. One pastor joined our church at the very beginning, and he told me, Pastor, it would be great if from time to time you would turn to us and say, hey, good job, and pat us on the back. I said, well, I'm still waiting for my pat on the back also. But I know that I'm going to be rewarded when I get to heaven. On this side of eternity, I have no expectation from men. And if I did, I probably would not be in ministry because it's not a call celebrated by men. The Bible says it's a call not to be seen by men as you're pleasing men because the men celebrate twisted things in our generation. Verse 23 tells us, whatever you do, do it with your full heart as unto the Lord and not to men. No one is going to turn around and say, Pastor, thank you for serving us 10 years. Pastor, thank you for being our shepherd 24 years. They're going to find an excuse to pinpoint why they will distance themselves from you and no longer return to your side. I've often said, whatever you charge against the men of God, make sure you put on the other side everything they've done for you. Because I am sure that that will outweigh any petty offense that you're trying to declare on their behalf. We continue on to further in this understanding of what it is to be ordained. We have sensed a strong, compelling presence that agrees with God to join these four to the pastoral team at Spring of Life Fellowship. Javier Rodriguez, Nicholas Molina, Joshua Molina, and Brandon Molina have shown their capacity to care for the work of God and to become servants of that Lord here in the body of Christ. They've given themselves not reluctantly nor by compulsion. I wish I could say that we have economically remunerated these men for their time and their sacrifice in our midst. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, God loves a cheerful giver. And these men have cheerfully given themselves over to the work of God. I haven't had to tell Javier, you need to come to rehearsals and stay late at night till 12 o'clock um, to make sure that everything is ready for Sunday morning for the past, I believe our church is 24 years and you add another four years to that. For the past 28 years, he's been our percussionist and drummer and he has not missed one beat. He has put up with discipline, correction, rebuke, exhortation. He knows all the language and he's prepared to give the same also. He is faithful to be under that correction, instruction, exhortation, rebuke, and discipline. And now he's entrusted to be able to do the same for those under his care. When God calls a man to the pastorate, he's not twisting their arm and forcing them by compulsion. The Bible says, make sure you don't do this grudgingly or because you have necessity. None of these men have had the necessity to be driven to the call of burdening the work of God, but they have done so with a cheerful heart. They've done so 
um, agreeably and gratefully. The Bible says this work is a work of the Holy Spirit, and it's confirmed by the body of Christ, the church. If you have issues with this ordination, you're to take it up with the Holy Spirit and with the church, because they have seen the lives of these men. It's the Spirit of God, Acts chapter 20, verse 28. When Paul describes his calling, he says that the Holy Spirit, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock amongst which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer. This promotion is a work of the Spirit of God, making these men responsible to oversee the work of the Lord, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his blood. I want to tell you something today, and I believe all my associate pastors at Spring of Life will say one thing, that 15 pastors is better than 11 pastors. It is a joy for me to see these men added to our ranks, and I was talking to Pastor Richie this week, and I was telling him that if God had his way in Miami, there would be a great number of these men called to work together like the great Sanhedrin. In biblical times, they would judge the matters that concerned the people of God. There were 70 strong. So we're still looking for those to be added to this number. Men that will take on the challenge to be God's servants. And we're telling you, we're, we're, there's no fluff in what's taking place. We do not put it out there for elections for these people to be elected based on popularity. This is a whole different matter, being selected by the Holy Spirit, being separated unto the work of God, to be able to shepherd those people purchased by the blood of the Lamb. Romans 10, 15, it says, how could this work be done? How shall they preach unless they are sent? And it is written, beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. All four of these men have been in very dark situations, and the expression of the words out of their mouth will lead anyone who's in darkness to the light. They have not bad news, they have good news. And their expression to encourage the body of Christ and to lift up those who have come to Jesus has already been witnessed and present in their ministry. They're all entirely different, but the expression of the words of their mouth have been faithful to bring glad tidings to those who come across their paths. They have encouraged and uplifted the body of Christ in times of great crisis, in times of transition, and rite of passage. The Bible says in Luke 12, 42, that the master of the house will place his household and entrust them to faithful and wise stewards. These men, these two words, define the way they live. They are faithful, they are consistent and stable, and they are wise. They've been able to take upon the work of the master who rules over the household to give each one portion of food in due season. Colossians 4.17, 
It is from Jesus Christ that we receive the ministry that we are called to. Take heed to this work which you have received in the Lord so that you might fulfill the call that is given to you today. It's my joy to discern the times and the seasons of God and to ordain these men into ministry. It's a healthy sign of our church that we've been able to select broken men, humble men, sincere, obedient, faithful, mature, wise, consistent, stable men who love God and love his church and have a burden and a compassion for souls. These are the things we look for in regards to establishing men to be able to shepherd in this place. I love to revisit the times that God has called men in the past when he called Abraham out of his hometown of Ur, how he called Moses through a burning bush in the middle of a desert, how he calls Isaiah in the temple in the year that Uzziah died with the burning question in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Whom shall I send to this generation? Who will go for us? Then Isaiah said, here am I, send me. A lot of people will volunteer other people to this work. These men have received it and welcomed it. I've met with these men. I've discussed these matters. I told them if they want, they could go into default mode and reject the call of God. And all of them said, here I am, send me, making themselves available to this time and place. David did not know that Samuel, the prophet, would show up at his house to anoint him to become the great shepherd and the king of Israel. In the New Testament, we see Jesus calling Peter and Andrew and telling them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Mark tells us that he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that they might send them out to preach. And the apostle Paul tells us about his experience of hearing the voice that spoke to him in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you kicking against the goads? And he asked, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus. You're coming against me, but stand on your feet and rise, for I appear to you for this purpose. Acts 26, verse 18, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and the things which have been revealed to you. To open the eyes in order to turn those that are in darkness, that they would come to the light, that they would be removed from the power of Satan, that they might receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance amongst those that are being sanctified by faith. This is a huge responsibility. Every time that we get to address a person, it's a matter of life or death, depending on our time and attention to deliver to them the heart and the word of God. None of these men that we have just mentioned knew the day and the time of their ordination and call. But observing the life of these men who have faithfully followed God and served as an example and humility to the body of believers and having a testimony in this house of worship, in our community, even in their civilian affairs at work, they are men who are respected with an impeccable testimony of honoring God serving the church even while being 
common citizens. These men have displayed Christ-like character. They have held themselves out to be accountable. They have a testimony of faithfulness and an example to the church. Having a zeal for these matters, we're not going to appoint or ordain lazy, irresponsible, immature, double-minded, two-faced hypocrites of unstable souls, of those who are self-serving and selfish to take this office. Hebrews 5 verse 1 says that these men who are called to ministry and appointed, listen to this, they're taken from among men and appointed for men that they might focus on things that pertain to God. A lot of people think that pastors are fortune tellers or they're going to help you with things that do not pertain to God. No, they offer gifts and sacrifice. Verse 2, the work they're called to is to have compassion on the ignorant. That's probably the single most important aspect of a shepherd's life. Some people often ask me, how do you put up with so many crazy people? And I often answered, because I'm more crazy than them. If God could change me, he could change anyone. He calls these men to be compassionate on those that are ignorant, those that have a tendency to go astray, because he himself is also subject to this weakness. Verse 3. Because of this, he is required for the people to also, and also for himself, to deal with the sacrifices that pertain to sin. Verse 4. No man runs for this office. No man puts himself out there to be voted into ministry. No man takes this honor, a place of honor, to himself. But it is he who is called by God, just like when he called Moses and Aaron. This call is not a call gained through popularity. When you tell people what they don't want to hear, you become unpopular very quick. They want to distance themselves and they want to remove themselves from your presence. You are a reminder that they need to get right with God. They have worked closely with the pastoral staff in our church. I have talked to all our pastors. They have all had an opportunity to witness and to confer upon these men the wisdom of the work in ministry. At a young age, since I was fathering these three boys, I didn't want to consider myself the full counsel of God. So from the age of 12, I began to send them to Pastor Palma, to Pastor Kenny, to Pastor Joey, to deal with their issues. So they would be accountable to the shepherds of this house. They haven't had a free ticket and a license to live outside the scrutiny of the men of God, but they've learned how to respect, how to obey, and how to honor those pastors they've had for the past 24 years in this house. And just as the Spirit came upon them, leading them to salvation and repentance, to come to the Lord Jesus as Savior, 
There's a supernatural call upon the lives of these men, and they are accepting their call according to the Spirit of God to receive the call to the pastoral office. This call will concern suffering as a servant of the Lord takes upon the responsibility of caring and protecting and providing for the sheep of this flock to become pastors in the body of, of, of Christ causes men to age quickly. I've heard men who are part of the Secret Service Task Force to care for the President of the United States to tell me that being a pastor is the most dangerous work upon the earth, the most difficult work upon the earth. It's not a nine to five Monday through Friday. It's a 364, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, taking care of the souls of men, addressing the issues of women and orphans and children and youth. It's an overwhelming task but they have led this charge by example and have never been contrary. It is a grueling burden and process of being able to show forth the gospel of Jesus Christ through your life and not through theology. This is explained by the Apostle Paul in Galatians 4.19 when he expresses this call saying, I continue to suffer labor pains until Christ is formed in you. 2 Corinthians 6.11 he describes as his heart is open to the Corinthian church. We have spoken to you transparently and open and our hearts are wide open for you. But what is the response many times? Verse 12 the more we do so you're not cut out of our life, but you close your heart. And we are restricted because you're not into this work we have been given over to. Paul says our hearts are wide open towards you, but you close us out of your heart when it regards towards us. One of my favorite verses with regards to shepherding the church and how important it is is Psalm 65, 4. Where God describes this, blessed is the man you choose. And you cause him to approach and not run from you. That he might dwell in your house, in your courts. Because you've chosen him, because he comes towards you, because he's made your house his hiding place. We can all say these words, we shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, of your holy temple. The lives of these men become your banquet table. You could eat from the fruit of their lives. It is good. It is sweet. It is awesome fruit. You could shout amen. We now have the opportunity to be satisfied with the faithfulness of these men's lives. 
Their words are wholesome counsel. It's a healthy thing to be filled with the wisdom they have used to traverse life up to this point. They walk in an exemplary manner in the fear of the Lord. Hebrews 13.7 says, Recall these leaders. They're the ones that announce the word of God to you. Consider the way of life. Consider the way they live. The result of their conduct. The outcome of their godly lives. Imitate their faith. Walk in the convictions of their heart. Imitate and rely on God with absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. They have set correct priorities in their lives. They have put God first. When my boys started law school, I said, listen, take a break. Law school is too difficult. They said, no, dad. When they got to work in their law field and take their Florida bar exam, they didn't ask for time off. They continued to shepherd, they continued to participate. They didn't have excuses in their life. They didn't have reasons. They didn't drop the ball. They did not, they were not absent to the task. They have set their priorities in order to put God first and to walk honorably and to serve the house of God and the people of God, the word of God, to live an orderly life worthy to be imitated and followed, not wavering, not vacillating or being indecisive. Their life has been tried and proven by the trials. I've seen these men cry. I've seen them break down. I've seen them be desperate in times of affliction and trials, but they made God their strong place. They ran to God, to the word of God, to be able to be faithful and courageous and obedient and persevere with a spirit filled with a genuine pursuit to now serve as example to believers. They have been refreshing to the body of Christ with their selfless service and sacrifice. They have been fruitful in ministry and enjoy the respect of the adult women and men in this church. They have demonstrated untiring diligence and responsibility at school, in their career, stewarding their finances, and taking care of the vineyard of the Lord. They have long paid their dues in the field of grind amongst the sheep with exceptional skills of leadership. Now they are deserving the distinction and recognition to be set at the front in place of honor, joining our pastoral team as co-pastors of Spring of Life Fellowship. Years ago, I watched how this would happen in the life of Tommy Barnett and Phoenix First Assembly. They were looking for someone to take over the church. They were looking for someone to take over the Miracle Center, I believe it's called. In Los Angeles, it would be the largest rehabilitation center for Christians. And he set his sons, Luke and Matthew, over this work. And a lot of people got upset. Why are you doing that to those boys? They're too young. And he says, because they have broad shoulders and they take on the responsibility to shoulder the burdens of the Lord. And they have done exceptional in the past 20 years. These are commendable servants of the Lord. They're his biological sons, Luke and Matthew Barnett. The lives of these men have been open and transparent, observable to all the other pastors and elders, to their underlings. They have spoken words of wisdom, 
that have come from their mouth. They have led the church in unity, love, hope, and faith, always with an encouragement. It's with great joy and celebration that we will now partake in our third ordination in this church. 2013, we asked Joey, Pastor Medieros, Pastor Oscar, Pastor Palma, and Pastor Kenny to be ordained to the ministry. I think Medieros was all the way at the beginning. He helped us do this ordination. 2018, we ordained Pastor Jules. He came on as a co-pastor of our church. It's been a great blessing, a great refreshing. We have witnessed the seal and the passion for God that's in the hearts of these men. The commitment to be faithful to the vision God has given us in their study, in their work. They have become defenders, even in these last days, when so many people who started with us have dropped out. I have seen my sons defend this house and this vision. They have matured and grown in our midst. They have become fruitful. And in the land, it's being seen by all that know them. But we have seen just the exterior. The Bible says that God looks at the heart. He looks at why these men have decided to pursue a devotion to serve God. Their desire to please God. To overcome spiritual apathy and indifference. Not allow themselves to be jaded by other false followers of Christ. They have fought the battles of the Lord in private. They have prayed long and hard at night. They have fought demons and evil spirits to prevail. And God has led them to victory. And this has been nothing short of miraculous. They have stayed the course. They have served. They have been faithful in each previous season of their life. Peter writes in 1 Peter 5, 6, that if you keep yourself in humility, if you stay under the mighty hand of God, that's what these men have done. So then the Lord might exalt you to a place of honor at the appropriate time. One common thread through the hearts of these four men that is so consistent and true is the sweetness and the kindness that comes out of their hearts. The love of God is evident in their lives, to their families, to their friends, and to the church. This is the day the Lord has made for us to rejoice and be glad. Yes, they are given a task greater than their capacity to carry, but God will be their help. And as we now give them the oath of office of the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I want them to answer, yes, I will, with the help and grace of God. For Paul said, it is no longer I who live, but God who lives in me. The four men could stand. The first oath of office to these four men. Your response will be, yes, I will, with the help and grace of God. We covenant to keep watch over our own lives, seeking to live a manner which pleases God 
that is worthy of this call. Yes, I will, with God's help and grace. We covenant to watch over and pray for the flock of God entrusted to our care as one who must give an account. We covenant to love, to guide, and to care for God's people, not by constraint, but from a willing spirit, not motivated by personal gain, but eager to serve, not lording over those entrusted to your care, but rather being examples to the flock. We covenant to set an example for other believers in our lives, in our speech, in our love, in our faith, and in our purity. We covenant to love my family, to raise our children in the training and instruction of the Lord, to manage our household well, to maintain a good reputation in the community. We covenant to study the scriptures, that we may teach what is in accord with sound doctrine and handle God's word correctly to the best of our ability. We covenant to teach and show integrity and seriousness and soundness of speech befitting the word of God. We covenant to preach God's word and to prepare, be prepared in season and out of season to rebuke, to correct, to encourage with patience and careful instruction. We covenant to proclaim the whole counsel of God from the scriptures without fear or hesitation. We covenant to discharge faithfully all the duties of this ministry in a manner that is honorable to both God and man. These things we covenant before God, asking for his grace, that we might fulfill them in his forgiveness wherever I fall short. Now may the words of your mouth and the meditation of your heart be acceptable in the sight of the Lord, that he be your strength and your redeemer. Let's ask the pastors to come around the front. Lay hands on them. Father, thank you for these men. Church, you could put, put, get on your feet, extend your hands this way. Lord, we thank you for these men. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this place. We know they seek not the praise of people, but the praise that comes from you. And I pray from this moment forward, there will be an ever-increasing outpour of your wisdom, your anointing, your love, and your power. May the blood of Jesus be sprinkled upon them for the cleansing protection, for the abundant provision.
May God show you the next steps forward to everything that pertains to this call in your lives and that he might be your supply and meet your every need and guide you by his Holy Spirit. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, Spring of Life Fellowship in the world, I present to you Pastor Javier Eduardo Rodriguez. Pastor Nicholas Joaquin Molina. <laughs> Pastor Joshua David Molina. Pastor Brandon Michael Molina. Some have asked me what is going to be the change in the lives of these men. And I have answered that they're just going to continue to do what they've already been doing. This is not a performance-driven calling. It's not based upon graces that are not in their lives. You could go around town in the world saying that your pastor is the best drummer that ever lived. <laughs> because he's faithful. And he's been faithful to love his wife and to shepherd his daughters. I want them to come forward, Francis and the girls. Camila's out. So when Pastor Javi and Francis asked me, how come you're doing this? I said to them, because you have four pastor's daughters. And he's been faithful to shepherd his family in this crazy world we live in. They have seen his authenticity they have seen his love. They have seen his hard work. 
his spiritual leadership, his fear of God, his obedience, his humility. And so I said, these four girls that are showing me they are pastor's daughters need you to be ordained as a pastor. And it's really tough in these days to be married to a man but Francis could attest to the character of Christ in this man's life. And so we need good shepherds like him. We will receive them in this spiritual house and worship, house of worship and family as pastors worthy to be followed and whose example we must grow and imitate. The equipping of the saints is found in Ephesians 4, 11. And the Bible says that these pastors, evangelists, teachers, apostles, and prophets are given as a gift to the body of Christ to help us grow to the stature, to the measure, to the fullness of mature men. And we have seen Javi's life. Uh, in the last five years, we've called him my, my children's rich uncle. And his faithfulness to champion his time, his talents, and his treasure have been a blessing for this world. In them, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And so by this way, we have had a glorious time in the house of God. And... We are in celebration mode as we are celebrating our 24th year of Spring of Life. And this is a huge gift to us. And it is also Palm Sunday, the day that Jesus came down to Jerusalem. And there were shouts of great joy. There were shouts of praise. It was, uh, the people were shouting Hosanna. Uh, there was all manner of expressions. God teaching us how to celebrate. And so this is occasion for great celebration in our midst. And um, want to take, you may be seated. We want to take an occasion very quickly. Ask Melissa to come up and join Nick. There was a whole scenario with Brandon's life because now Vicky is not only marrying Brandon Molina. <laughs> But she asked for time to reconsider marrying a pastor. She says, I didn't know I was going to marry a pastor, so I have to take another 12 months to... No, I'm just kidding. Vicky, come forward. Stand next to Brandon. On November 11th, they will be entering into the holy state of matrimony, into the covenant marriage. I told her to, she has a couple months to get ready for people to call her pastora. <laughs> but I think it's a glorious thing. Joshua has put in applications. <laughs> we are considering several candidates. We're not going to rush to judgment. But I know that God's going to be faithful. And Christina, come up here also. 
I know that God is going to be faithful meeting the needs of these young men and women who are paying a price. I think one of the most special aspects of this day is that these young men were able to grow up with boys and girls that have seen their entire lives. When Christina was becoming an adolescent, she was living, leaving elementary school. A lot of her friends started going into darkness. And she didn't know that until she saw their social media behind the scenes. And one thing is what people do here at church. And another thing is what they live in their private lives. And we could say that God has kept our children. God has kept them above reproach. And today, I, I consider it an honor and a gift um, to have one of their friends come from Texas, Dane. Come up here, sir. From a real young age, these young men, they were 10, 11, and 12 years old. And they, they've become brothers to our children, and it's good for him to come. It's good for him to have lifelong friends. And this young man has an incredible call on his life. And I want to pray with him. I want our church to pray for him. We cannot lose one of our prince warriors to the craziness of this world. Please extend your hands forward. Father, thank you for Dane. Thank you that you set aside those servants of the Lord that will serve this generation in the seal and the confidence and the passion to be servants of the Most High God. Thank you for godly parents who sown into his life preparation to distinguish between right and wrong those things which please you and those things which do not. Allow this gentle giant to speak like a roaring lion to his generation. Allow him to stand up with confidence and no fear. Allow him to be anointed from head to toe with your fire, with the boldness to be that servant he's been called since he was in the womb. I pray that you equip him, that he would have the full armor of God, that he would fight the battles of the Lord, and that he would have great harvest of souls and young men and women that follow his footprints, his private devotion, and his desire to be an arrow in the hand of the mighty. Keep him, Lord. Surround him with a hedge of thorns. Cover him with the blood of Jesus, and let him rise up and to shine bright in this generation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right. So I often threaten everybody when I have grandchildren, I'm going to retire. But we have good men to leave the work of this in their hands. Um, they continue to be apprentice warriors and learn a lot more. God is not finished with them yet. And we are ecstatic at their faithfulness and their desire to, to serve the Lord. Keep in their company. Keep in their conversation. 
allow them to have a slant in the way you think and the priorities you pursue because they're doing it wholeheartedly. And so celebration mode this afternoon, we have water baptism and steps of people that are being obedient to the word of God. The Bible says those who believe and are baptized shall be saved. And so there's some people here still sitting on the fence and saying, I don't know if I feel I want to be baptized. It's not about your feeling. It's about your obedience. And so you obey the word of the Lord and go into the waters of baptism. And you'll come out the other side, a new man, a new, a new woman. Um, this is not the last of our ordinations. God continues to call men to rise up to that level of maturity and faithfulness. And many, many years before this day ever happened these men began to live as servants of the lord in the house of the lord and today it just culminates that we recognize and we lay hands upon them and we welcome them into the pastoral ministry to be servants of the lord jesus christ in the ministry of the gospel so let us celebrate pastor richie i don't know if you have something that commemorates this moment there was an old hymn that we used to sing called Majesty, worship His majesty unto Jesus. Thanks for the reminder. Come up here, woman. That's my mother-in-law. Be careful. Careful who you pick as your mother-in-law. The first lady. Last year, I had the glorious honor to be introduced to a catcher here in the major leagues. And his name is Yadier Molina. He plays for the St. Louis Cardinals. And uh, he's a tremendous Hall of Famer, 
catcher. And uh, his name is Yadier Molina, but he has two older brothers, and they're both Molinas too. They're not related to our family, but all three of these boys became World Series Hall of Fame catchers. And so that mom is known as the one who gave birth to three great champions. And I can say someone today outdid her. I don't know how three champions were born out of this womb, but it's definitely the grace and the dedication of this woman. So we're not crying. <laughs> we're celebrating. Congratulations, sweetie. You are dismissed.